You know, I'm going to share something today you probably have never really thought much about, and there's no reason for you to think really a lot about it. But for a preacher, and I'm a preacher, John is a preacher, every preacher everywhere, one of the great challenges we have every time that we begin to prepare a sermon and when we preach the sermon is to have a sermon that meets the needs of everybody hearing the sermon. Now, think with me a moment. That challenge is impossible 100%. Now, let me illustrate what I'm talking about. Let's say that I prepare and preach the best I can a sermon on how to become a Christian. Now, we need to have sermons on how to become a Christian, but, but here's, the, here's the challenge. Everybody here in the sermon does not need to become a Christian because the majority already are a Christian. Now, even that being true, those that already are a Christian, it's reassuring to hear how you become a Christian. A good sermon on how to become a Christian would help all of us perhaps better be able to share with other people how to become a Christian. But the fact of the matter is, when the people leave the service, they're not going to walk out the door, not all of them, and say, hey, boy, I'm glad I came today. I really needed to hear how to become a Christian. So that's a real challenge. Another challenge would be, and this comes very soon, Mother's Day. Now, when you preach a sermon, for example, on how to be a godly mother, now that's a good sermon, and it certainly honors godly mothers, but you see, uh, everyone listening to that sermon is not going to be a mother. They're not a mother. I mean, men are not mothers, and many women have not become mothers, and so you really kind of narrow down those in the group uh, to a much smaller number than the group itself. So it's a real challenge. Father's Day is the very same thing. You come out and say, today I'm going to preach a sermon on how to be a godly father. Well, problems are the very same. Every man in the room is not a father. Uh, the women are not fathers. And so here again, you've, you've kind of narrowed the scope down. The, the fathers that go out that day, having heard that sermon, say, boy, that, that sermon, he said a thing or two that would help me be a better godly father. Or to preach a sermon on how to be godly parents. And that sermon needs to be preached. Indeed, it does. But listen, <laughs> everybody here in the sermon is not a parent. And so there will be those that listen to the sermon. They're glad they came to church. They walk out thinking, I'm glad I came to church today, but the fact of the matter is, the sermon today really didn't deal with me where I actually am. So, I'm saying to you, it's a challenge that every preacher faces every single time he gets up to preach. It's, that is, have a sermon that speaks to the needs of all the people, and uh, it just will never be 100%. That said, listen very carefully. Today, I'm going to preach a sermon, or really, I'm going to talk to you from my heart, from the Word of God, and everyone that hears what I have to say today, when this is over, they're going to say, he had a sermon today that spoke to the needs of everybody where they are right now, because what I want to talk to you about about today is this virus that we're dealing with. And it's on everybody's mind. 
And to not deal with that, I think it would be like having an elephant in the room and just saying, I'm going to ignore the elephant. I want to talk to you today about learning what we can learn from what we're going through as we deal with this virus. Now, one of the things that I'm going to do when this is over, and let me say very quickly, this will get over. This will pass. There will be a day out there at some point where we'll look back on this, and as we look back on this, what we're going to say, as difficult as that was, as frightening as that was, the fact of the matter is, all of us are going to say, you know, I learned some things from that, and that's what I want to talk to you about. In fact, I had this thought today, when all this is over, I'm going to ask our church members to just simply email the church some things that they learned going through this period of time. And I think it's going to be very, very exciting. And what I want to do, I want to take all the things that the people emailed in that they have learned when it's over and put it together on a list. Now, we'll not show who said what, but I want to let the church We'll figure out a way to do that. Just say, things people learned during this time. And I think it's going to be amazing how many things that, that you learned that you're going to see, hey, some other people learned the very same thing. And I think it's going to be exciting to see things that some people learned that maybe you and myself, we've not even thought about those things. So we will delay that until this is over. Now, the fact is, it's not over. But what I want to talk to you about today, two things. I want to talk to you today about two things that I think even at this point, we have already learned going through what we're going through. So if you have your Bible, please, if you're where you can, I want you to open your Bible to the book of James in chapter number four. In James chapter number four, because one of the things, hopefully, that we have all learned at this very point is that life can change very quickly. How quickly life can change. I mean, things can be going along great, and then the next thing you know, whoop, it's like somebody pulls the rug out from under us. And, you know, we read about that in the Bible. One of the places we read about that is in the book of James in chapter 4. If you will look with me in verse number 13, James chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year. This is what we say. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to buy and sell and make a profit. And then listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. And then, of course, the Bible goes on to say, what is your life? It is even a bait vapor that appears for a little while. Now, in that little phrase that you see uh, in verse number 14, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You see, that's one of the things that we've learned. There is a parallel verse to that in the book of Proverbs. You may wish to jot the reference down, look it up later. But in Proverbs chapter 27, in verse number 1, it's very interesting. The Bible says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And so one of the things all of us have learned, probably it's not the first time we've ever learned it, not for most of us, 
But it is a time all of us have learned it, and that is how quickly life can change. You see, this virus, for example, you know, I was thinking even this morning about things this has changed. One thing it's changed is plans that we have made. At the church yesterday, at the church, well, not the, not yesterday, the church yesterday, we were we were thinking about things that we had planned that we needed to cancel. And as we went down the list and we began to cancel all those things, I thought, wow, we were so sure that we were going to be able to have these things and do these things. And we put them on our calendar and we made the necessary preparations to get ready for that. And now all those plans have changed. I had a friend, a preacher friend over in New Brunswick. Uh, he's one of my dear friends in the ministry, Ray Steele. And he's been over at that church like 25, 26 years. And, and it's just a great church. But he called today to see how we were doing. And I was asking how he and his wife are doing. And, and he said, well, you know, we were about to go on some, uh, I don't remember the year number, but some special anniversary year of their marriage. He said, we had planned a trip in three more weeks. We were going to Italy. He said, obviously, we've had to cancel those plans. Well, I'm sure you've had some plans that you had to cancel. I remember in 2019, of course, we, Dottie and I probably had more things planned in 2019 than we've ever planned in one year. And then on May the 2nd, last year, when we learned that she had lymphoma and she would be undergoing chemo treatments, we had to start canceling all these special things we had planned. Now, that's just the way life can be sometimes, and certainly we've been reminded of that. I'll tell you another thing that has changed uh, because of the virus, and that is, uh, John mentioned it a little earlier, but, but food on the shelves in the grocery store. My gracious, I just about, uh, well, two or three times this past week, I went into the H-E-B. In fact, one day I went into the H-E-B, and uh, the shelves were pretty well empty on everything I was looking for. And I thought, well, I'll try the Kroger. And I got to the Kroger, and it was no better than what I was looking for. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll try Target. Maybe, maybe what I'm looking for they'll have in Target. And in all three stores, and I thought, you know, all these years, now the hurricane was a, a situation where we went through something similar to this, but... but uh, not over really the extended time this looks like it will be but you know it's just changed we don't we think nothing about going to the grocery store we have our list we know kind of where the things are well the virus has changed all that and and what a special thing that is to realize that life is a, is a very quickly can change from what we've always been used to john mentioned those eggs i was so excited uh, I don't remember if he mentioned the eggs last Sunday or I mentioned the eggs, but obviously one of us mentioned the eggs. We couldn't find any eggs. And one of our sweet little families, in fact, I think it was the daughter, the, the, the children kind of put that game plan together. And uh, I came to my office on, on Wednesday, and there on my table are these two cartons of fresh eggs. And they told me John had two cartons of fresh eggs that he had already gotten. And I thought, well, you know, this is the way it was when I became a preacher in my first church. Uh, it was a little rural country church in Georgia. 
they paid us what they could, but uh, it was not a very large church, and they couldn't do very much like that. But back in those days, the people would bring you things. They'd bring you meat, and they'd bring you eggs, and bring you cakes and pies, and almost, uh, uh, you know, sometimes they'd cook chicken and bring you the chicken cooked. And I thought, my gracious, we're going back to the way it was when I first started being a preacher and uh, maybe that might have been a better way. I'll tell you another thing. Like one of the things I've been looking for, and this virus is just absolutely eliminated from the grocery store shelves. My, my favorite thing to eat, now I can't eat this as much as I want. If I had my way about it, I would eat it twice a day, seven days a week, but I can't do that. But my, act, that, my number one thing to eat is a hamburger. I love hamburgers. And I know we're not supposed to eat too much beef, and I try to monitor that and limit that somewhat and do. But uh, my second favorite thing to eat, you'd never guess my second favorite thing to eat. You probably don't care about my second favorite thing to eat, but nonetheless, it, it, I, I care about it. It's pinto beans. I love pinto beans. Put them in that slow cooker and cook them about four hours. Oh, I just could, I could eat pinto beans two meals a day, every day. I never tire. I put some relish on top of them. Oh, it's just wonderful. They have become extinct. And I mentioned to some of the church staff yesterday, the ministry assistants, I said to them, if any of you are in a store and you can find any of those packages of pinto beans, I said, I wish you'd get me a package. I just love them. And today, one of the husbands, his wife works at the church. Think of this. Her husband, bless his soul, was in a store and found pinto beans and brought me two packages of pinto beans. And, uh, oh, it just, it just blessed my heart. But I thought about how quickly life can change. <laughs> All these years, I've never thought about I can't find any pinto beans, but things can change very, very rapidly. And then I'll tell you another thing that has changed. Many people, their jobs, their jobs have changed as the restaurants have had to cut back and only can do the takeout. Well, then uh, the people uh, have, have either been cut way back or they've been temporarily laid off. I went by a, a place this morning, Panera Bread. I went by just to see if, if they all still had their jobs. And I went in, and one of them said, I made the cut. I made the cut. I got to keep my job. But then two or three others that uh, I see in there often, they, they didn't make the cut. And, of course, when things get better, hopefully they'll be back. But I'm just saying to you how, how it is we have learned how quickly life can change. Quickly, another thing that we've learned, and that is how, how we're not as in control of things as we think we really are. That has really been a lesson, maybe for the first time for some people, but a lesson learned again for many others of us. We live such good lives, we really do. We're so blessed to live in the nation where we live. Not perfect, has its problems, but oh, what a blessed people we are. We just have, all of us have more than we ever imagined that we would have. And what happens, I really think, is that in our blessings, we somehow forget that we're not as in control of everything as we think we are. 
You, you, you live life and you get out there at a certain point and, and, and things begin to change you've never dealt with before and you encounter things you've never encountered before. And, and, and I just was thinking this morning, you know, one of the things most of us have already learned we're not as in control as we have thought we were in control. I was thinking about the story back in the book of Genesis about, about the, the people after the flood. You know, Noah built the ark, and then after the flood waters receded, the people came out of the ark. And God told Noah and his children to go and scatter about the land and be fruitful and multiply. And you remember Noah had these three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And each of them had sons. And one of Ham's sons was named Cush, C-U-S-H. And Cush had a son that becomes very important for us this morning, what we're thinking about. He had a son named Nimrod, N-I-M-R-O-D, Nimrod. And Nimrod was a very forceful, strong, powerful leader. And if you read that story back in, oh, back in Genesis, you pick up in about chapter 10 and move over into chapter 11. It says that now what God told him to do was to scatter all across the land, be fruitful and multiply. And so Nimrod, the group that he led, they left, the Bible says, the east, and they began to scatter like God had told them to scatter. But they came to a place, and he stopped the people and said, what we need to do, we need to not do what God says, continue to scatter and be fruitful and multiply. We're just going to stay right here, and we're going to build us this city. And you know that story in Genesis chapter 11. They began to build this tower, and they began to talk about, let us do this, and let us do that. And they, they were trying to make a name for themselves and trying to make a reputation for themselves. And, of course, the Bible says that God came down from heaven, confused their language, and scattered the people. And, uh, you know, the great lesson to be learned in that is not just uh, the, their sin of pride. Actually, their greatest sin before the sin of pride was they didn't obey what God told them to do. God told them to scatter. And they didn't scatter very far until they stopped and said, no, we're going to build a city right here. And then the sin number two was their pride. They were going to build a reputation for themselves. And then, of course, God he confused the language, and the Bible says in Genesis chapter 11, he scattered the people abroad. Now, as I thought about that lesson and what it has to do with us now, here's the deal. In all of our blessings, sometimes we have to encounter things that we can't control to help us to realize that we need to go back and look at the things that God has told us to do. And we need to do those things, be obedient to those things. And one of the things that God has told us to do is fear not. I encourage you during this time, you know, we all have thoughts, am I going to get this? Or is somebody in my family going to get this? Or what about my job? Or what about this? And what about that? And if we're not careful, that stuff will paralyze us and keep us from doing what God has told us to do. And remember, we, we don't have to control everything. Number one, we can't. But number two, we don't have to. And I guess better said, we'll, we'll be a lot better off let God control this thing. Listen, God is still God, and God is in control. And these days are days, they're days to do what we're asked to do. They're days to understand we have a serious problem 
but they are days to understand we have a God who is greater and stronger and more powerful than any of this. And even though we don't understand it all, that doesn't make any difference. What happens is either in the sovereign will of God by he caused it or he allowed it. And, and what we're going to do, we're just going to hang on to the things I trust. And when it is over, here's what I believe. When all this is over, I think, number one, for our church, I think when all this is over, we're going to come out of this stronger than we've ever been in all of our years together. I believe that. I just envisioned the first time that all God's people can get back in this room I think there's going to be something God will do in this room that's absolutely unbelievable. I, I am praying that one of the things we're going to see when all this is over, we're going to see more people come to church, and when that invitation is given, come forward and saying, I am coming to make my decision for God. God is going to bring good out of all of this. And you know what? We don't have to wait until he does it. He'll do it the moment you and I say, okay, I'm going to control what I can control, but I'm going to leave what I can't control in the hands of God. Now, for some of you this morning, perhaps the greatest thing that will ever happen to you could happen right now. You're not even in the church house, but God's not confined to the church house. This morning, what some of you might be ready to do, the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you from where you are, and you're already seeing life with a new perspective. And you say, you know what I need to do? I need to ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and make me a Christian. In a moment, I'm going to lead you in that prayer. For others, you've already done that. This would be a great time for you to say what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to say, God, thank you that I'm saved. But I'm asking you, God, just give me the faith and the courage to trust your word, knowing that every promise of God is yes in Jesus. So would you bow your heads if you're where you can. If you need to trust Jesus, would you just pray a prayer something like this? Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I need to be saved. I'm asking you right this moment, come into my heart, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me a Christian. Some of you may say, you know, I've, I've done that numbers of times, but I'm just not 100% sure. Listen, life is like a vapor. I mean, the world may end before this virus ends. And if you're not sure, settle that today. Just say, Lord Jesus, I think I'm saved, but I'm not sure. And today, I'm settling my salvation. Today, God, I'm trusting Jesus' atoning work on Calvary's cross. His shed blood to forgive my sins and make me a Christian. Thank you, God. Today, I've settled my salvation. Lord, I pray a special prayer for those who've prayed either of those prayers. I pray, God, for those who've watched listened and worshiped with us this hour. And I pray, God, wherever they are, whatever their situation, I just pray, God, you would reach down and just give them peace and comfort as only you can give. In Jesus' name, amen.